Okay, welcome to today's episode of the Sports Nutritionist Podcast. I've got with me Tyson Brown, Tyson the trainer. This episode's a little bit different to the normal one. It is career focused as like the podcast typically is. However, we were in the process of filming and creating all the content and completing the lectures for the Nutrition Fundamentals program. And we were both watching each other get through these lectures and then go about our day-to-day work. And we're like, you know what? We need to provide some insight into how we're approaching our work, what perceptions of our work is, um, because people are going to really benefit from these insights and, and look behind the curtains because people will think certain things from the outside looking in, oh, this is how Tyson does his thing. This is how he's going. This is how I do things. This is what, you know, this is, this is the opportunities that I have to myself because of the association. Some of them will be correct. Some will be incorrect. And this interview, which will be across collaboration across both platforms, will be a really good look behind the hood uh, for the day-to-day and realities for ourselves, both as professionals and how our professional careers translate into our personal lives as well. So I hope you enjoy. So Tyson, thanks for coming. Mate, thanks for having me here. This is going to be a cross-pollinated project, right? Yep. So I'll say thanks to you later. Um, okay, so give us the rundown. So you started practicing in the nutrition space how many years ago? Oh, like after being accredited with you guys or just in general? Just in general? Uh, probably about four years ago now. Okay. Yeah. And then for us, what, about three? Yeah, about three years ago. Because I did Mac Nutrition Uni and that was a year. And then as soon as I finished that, I went straight to SNA. Cool. Yeah. And how far after us? Because you, when you did us, you were, and like then registered with us, you were still primarily practicing as a PT, yeah? Yeah. So I only went full-time as an online nutritionist last year. And I started practicing nutrition after I finished with you guys. Because even when I did Mac Nutrition Uni, I didn't feel like it was great, but I didn't feel a hundred percent confident to go and start teaching nutrition. Like I was teaching some of my PT clients, but then after finishing with you guys is when I was like, all right, because you had the business component in there too, about how to start doing as a nutrition coach. And mm. that's why I started implementing that side of things too. So this is basically as soon as I finished SNA, I really started doing, pushing more towards the nutrition side of coaching. And then when did you make the transition and go? Cause you were still in the rental scene. I think a lot of people, watching listening this will sort of sit there and they might share a similar background to you right so like you're on the floor knocking out the session tell us you're on the floor for eight years yeah yeah Yeah. i was just doing fully pt 40 50 sessions a week yeah about like and like i was i was probably one of the busiest pts not because of my qualifications of my education because i was good at talking to people Mm. and so like yeah 40 50 sessions a week uh monday to saturday sometimes sunday too early morning starts obviously late night finishes and that was going until last year yeah yeah, wow. So you made that transition. Um, you went online for a bit. So you ran a hybrid model for a bit. Yeah. Um, so I was doing in-person and online. I was doing it in-person and online a lot longer than I should have been. I should have gone fully online, but it was always that safety net of in-person, you know? So what what was the breakdown of like, excuse me, revenue that you were doing as a face-to-face coach before you added nutrition? Yep. Uh, so just as face to face, I was making like 110 to 130 K a year. Yeah. And paying what, like 350 a week rent. Yeah. Rent like 350 a week. Yep. And then you added the online component, that amount that you were making in the gym didn't really change. You were just doing, you added your nutrition component, which is primarily like an online thing. Yep. Um, always added to the in-person side of things yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, dude, I was doing that for a while. And like, what was that revenue? I was probably we'll like add another... 50k it wasn't that much to be honest at first yeah, like okay. it was trying to get it off the ground and i think that's what a lot of people don't realize for me to go fully online or like you know to build that up 
I was sitting at like six to 10 clients for a good two years of trying to build that up over time, you know, because online online coaching isn't as popular as it is now, you know, it was still yeah. in infant days and trying to gain that traction. So like for me, a lot of the online was posting educational stuff on Instagram, um, you know, doing my podcast and stuff, not getting paid for any of that stuff, but putting content out there to educate people. So yeah, probably about, like, I'd probably say 25K, not so much 50 at the start. Yeah, and then yeah. by the end of that sort of like two-year transitional point, then it was it oh, built up to, yeah. so um, yeah, like how did that, so say it was 25 grand, where did it get to before you made the transition, before you went all online? So I had 50 online clients before I went fully online. Yeah, right? okay. And like I could have gone fully online at like 25, because again, taking away 350 bucks from rent, yeah. I was living in a house share at the time, which that was cost me 300 rent. So I could have gone online earlier, but it was that safety side of things for me. Which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the only reason I fully went online is because it got to a point where I wasn't I wasn't excited to be in person anymore. Yeah. As much as I still liked it, it's like I was looking at the watches. When can I go home to go and work on the online stuff? And COVID was actually that last push for me because once uh, Fitness First shut down during COVID and they didn't offer me any support to help, I was like, obviously they don't want the best for me. I'm going to take care of myself. And that's when I went fully online. Yeah. Okay. And so you're at that point where, so like it was about 50 CC clients, yep. which is probably what, like in terms of like revenue there. Oh, that was like, um, what was that? So per 200? week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So per week I was making like three to three and a half K. So about 150 to 180 K. Yeah. So then you still had that face to face component yep. and then you went there. So basically you go fully online, cut out, 40, 50 sessions a week, yep. you've already got that income made up. And yeah. You you made Plus, that income in up. Like, like say just say those 50, 60 clients, that three and a half K. Yeah. How long was that taking you to do? Uh with working with clients or just just to? no, as in just like how much time per week was it taking you to service those 50 to 60 people? Oh my. Um well, when I was doing in person and online, like dude, I was doing like, I don't know, 60, 65 hours a week. Like I was working all the time, you know, yeah. 5 a.m. wake up. But like eight, 70, 80% of that was face-to-face. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's time for money. Yeah. You, know? you took away that all of a sudden I had like, you know, six, seven hours free extra a day. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? Like, again, yeah, so, so for me working like, let's say uh, uh, 13, 30, to th- 30 to 35 hours extra in a week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like so much extra free time. And I'm like, and that's why I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, <laughs> yeah. because it saved me time. I was making more money than I was in the gym. I was able to give people more of my time and education because it's not like we're going to have a 45 minute phone call, you know, and then it's another person and another person. It's like people having questions here and there that I could bang out an answer to. Um, and so that is night and day difference. Mm, mm. And so now you're at a point where fast forward a year now, it's an year at this point where you, you're like a year past and how long you like, so you, and so like, tell, like for, I guess this is a funny thing, right? So like we do our member, um, we produce our member, like our member surveys and we say, Hey, the average person, this is like the mean income for our full timers is, um, just so, so people are and I'll actually look at the camera. So the mean, in- the mean income for our full-time members, and this is just people doing 25, uh, 20 plus hours a week practicing is 158,000 a year. Um, AUD in revenue. And that's, you said 20 hours a week. Like 20, 20, yeah, 20 plus, right? Yeah, 20 like, plus. You guys got to think 100 and that much money for 20 hours a week isn't, that's, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I even said in like one of the business lectures at the end of it, because we just updated it, I was like, look, 
this is a career where it's really fulfilling. You get an amazing life balance. You get to like do shit that actually helps people, which is amazing. And if you're smart and you apply the systems that we give you, you can then actually earn a good living. So that way money is off the table and you can just focus on then the helping people because you know, money will be on the table when it's like, okay, that kind of money you're talking taxation, optimization strategies, things like that. It's on the table for that stuff, but it's not on the table in the sense of like, am I week to week, you know, am I living week to week? What's happening bills? You get a new bill that comes out. You're like, Oh shit. You know, you might be like, Oh wow. I'm paying more tax. Yep. That was a bit unexpected, but at the same time, it's not really super unexpected because you're seeing the cash that's coming in from there. So I think, you know, so say, you know, that, that's 158K. And so I'll say that, hey, our mean data is this, but we have, you know, that's a range. And that range is from approximately 80K through to, you know, people like yourself. Yeah. And so what are you doing at the moment? Well, I'm making, I'll just say, I'm making north of much more than $300,000. Right? Yeah. And like for me, again, with you guys, uh, for those of you watching and listening, like you go and look at my Instagram. I don't have a massive following compared to all these fitfulnesses and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) And I only do nutrition coaching and training. Um, or like, you know, they can do both or one or the other. And that's all I offer coaching. I don't know if I heard anything else and I'm making that amount of money still working less hours than I was in PT. And I'm using, because I only have so many clients I can take on. I have so much information that I just give away because it's like, you now have a job you love and enjoy and you can give away that information because you just can't help that many people at a time. Mm. And so I was like, what do you do with your free time? For me, it's content creation. Yeah. For other people, it could be, you know, you get to chill out, do whatever you want to do, but you can make a good amount of money working less hours, being productive and kind of create a lifestyle that you'd like to live while working a job that you love. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's pretty rare, especially in this industry, which tends to chew people up and spit them out. Yeah, within what, two years? Like people don't make the last two years? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, within 12 months, it's a 60% value, right? Yeah. Um, which is pretty significant. And then I think the 18-month mark is like really bad. Um, we're not as bad as sort of like the private practice, health and nutrition slash exercise science grads. Yep. That's a little bit of a faster failure rate or more aggressive failure rate in the short term. Yep. But then longer term, the ones that do sort of make it, they do quite well, sort of like longer term as yep. well. Yep. Um, look, yeah, obviously like does really well. So like here's like proof of, you know, what we say, that's like the mean and median. Then there's obviously people on either side and someone like Tyson is has applied it very well. And, you know, like like he said before, like we were like, oh, that's 20 hours of work. To him, the idea of 45 to 50 hours is like still <laughs> relaxing for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Considering, you know, what it was before, which was probably like 65, 75 hour weeks when you were doing six days a week of face-to-face sessions plus nutrition clients, yeah. you know, then with the blended face-to-face and online. Yeah, because I was single, I was young. I didn't really know anyone in Sydney. All I did was like work because I had the time, you know? Yeah. Not everyone else would be doing those type of hours where they could pick and choose, but it's like, why not? You know, exactly. Me, so I was like, I'll just run myself. As yeah. Make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, so yeah, like effectively, so is it like exactly in COVID was like, I mean, when were the gyms getting shut down? It's probably been like 18 months since then, right? Yeah. So like, I think it all kind of, so I'm trying to think now we're in 2022. It was in 2020, at the start of 2020. Yeah. Like, so COVID happened. So we're basically two years. So yeah, COVID yeah, happens. Yeah. 
you double your revenue and then you add another, you double your revenue probably within 12 months. Then 12 months later, you probably add another 50%. Yep. But you add that 50% without having to work too much more. Yeah. It was literally double revenue in that year of 2020. Yeah. Right? And it was like, what the hell happened basically? Yeah. Uh, because, and a lot of you, you know, it wasn't just like instantly like that. Like, again, it was years of me putting out information education yeah. to get to that kind of tipping point. So like, you know, again, I was struggling with trying to get more than 10 clients for those first two years before it pushed to that point. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people sort of start out and they underestimate how long it takes yeah. and overestimate how hard it is. Yeah. It's just, it's just more about consistently turning up, doing the stuff, putting it out there. Like even now, right? Like I don't even, whatever podcast episodes would be. I never started the podcast with the intention of, having like a lot of people listening and all this kind of stuff and doing all that. It was always an intention of, Hey, here's a reference point to cover information about like actually working in the industry for people who are aspiring professionals interested in it, working in it ways that we can, you know, just like help generate some ideas, inspire some things in them that they're not currently doing as another reference point to say, Hey, look, you know, here's a free resource for you to just help people because similarly to you, we're at a point where we're like, we can only take in so many people. We, of those people that we take in, then they need to like align with our values. Like part of it from our end is like, you got to like, you know, the, the, the industry is, um, we did some market research last year and it's like, there's like one and a half, two million people globally, right? Yep. We would handle say 500 people a year. Yep. That's like an absolute limit that we'd put through. Mm-hmm. Our conditions for working with them are, you must value professional registration and insurance. You must value best practices. And like to the point where it's like actions speak louder than words, like not sit there and say, oh yeah, I value it or like shit on the industry. Like the industry needs to be better. It's full of all these shit people. All these new rookies are coming in and doing this, blah, blah, blah. Like we see it all the time, right? How many of those people are then like actually their actions align with their words, right? Like actions speak louder than words. How many of them are like, yes, I am going into voluntary audits every year to, to open my books up and say, this is how I'm practicing. Yep. See if, you know, see if I've done anything wrong. Have I referred someone? Have I not referred someone when I shouldn't have? Have I overstepped my mark here? Have I handled that thing wrong? A lot of people say they're about it, but when it comes to it, they're not. So from our end, it's like we want, of, you know, of the one and a half, two million people globally at any given time, we want the 500 people in a year who are like, yeah, our values align with that stuff. We're not just about talking about it. Yeah. We're about it with our actions. You know, you're pretty similar. Yeah. You and I are pretty similar in that where we're like, we don't like talking too much. We'd rather, all right, cool. We've said it. Let's go just do something now. Yeah. 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 I actually get frustrated. Just keep talking about it. It's like, got to do it. Got to put it in practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like from from our end, we can only handle so many people. So for us, it's about establishing and legitimizing a career and profession for the, for its long-term prosperous success. Mm-hmm. So that way, long-term it, you know, sports nutritionists are a really highly regarded profession yep. and that they're people, you know, and like, and, and, and they're doing well, like they're relatively affluent. They're able to do things like own their own home, look after themselves, provide for their families, do all that kind of stuff. Things that I would say within the fitness industry are like considered like luxuries or like rarities. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's more of a rarity than it is a norm. Yeah. When this can actually be a proper career 
And like, this is, it's funny. I think about when I started as a PT, I was like, oh, so what are you going to do for like, you know, your full-time job? And I'm like, this is my full-time job. And it's about changing that idea in our head. Because again, people don't think you can make an actual career out of this. And not even a career, like a good career living really well compared to a job you may not enjoy. Yeah. And like, we'll segue into this later. And something that we've been talking about, you know, for months now is um, it's this concept of sort of like life outside of the career or, or like, you know, like life outside of fitness yep. where it's like, okay, if you actually are doing well. So for those who have done the program, they've seen the business updates for those who haven't, like if you're out of what I would term to be, or what I call the initial startup phase. So like if the, they're the people that, you know, you've gotten through the startup phase, you know, you've been able to, you know, work out and, and, and sort out your client generation, your lead generation, your client buy-in, your client adherence, your client referrals, all that kind of stuff. You're doing 65K plus. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, okay, I'm going to up my rates. And then you start making that jump from 65K through to anywhere. It sits at about 87 based on the recommended model at the moment. So if you're at that point and you've come out of the initial startup phase, this is where it becomes more rele re like relevant to you, right? Yep, where it's yep. like life after and outside of fitness. This is what you need to start thinking about, right? It's like, okay, you want to be able to own your own home. You want to be able to provide for yourself, have a certain lifestyle. You want to be able to provide for your family eventually if that's on the cards, all that kind of stuff. Yep. We'll touch on it like later in more detail, but like a lot of people, like that, like you said, it's more uncommon and it isn't the norm in fitness, but definitely in this industry, that's like what we want to see. You know, like part of us is like establishing best standard practices, but then the long term for us is then providing a pathway and a framework so that people can actually prosper. Like the professionals can prosper and the public alike who work with them have a really good experience. Yep. And so for us, it's like, that's what we're looking for. So for me, I'm at a point now where pretty much everything I do is now geared around getting that message out there in a bigger way and really trying to just find the people that align with that and then, you know, show them the path, show them the framework to then, you like adopt and go from there, right? So that way they can take it and run with it. Yeah. And the others, if you don't align, it's fine. It, like it's not for everyone. Yep. Yep. Like for us, our goal is 20,000 members in like 10, 20 years, right? With a low turnover rate. So, like what we see is in fitness, it's, you know, within sort of, it's like it, it, it's a compounding. It goes 60% first 12 months and then it goes 80% in the next, I think, like six to 12 from there. So, yeah. like, there's some big cuts yep, yep. from that point. Um, whereas in like dietetics, it's 80% every 12, like in the first 12 months, but then it, that drops off significantly. So those who make it through the first 12 months, our goal is 20% every three to five years. Yeah, right. So like that, 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 that's our thing. It's like our, our first milestone is 10,000, then it's 20,000 and it's maintaining that same percentage of turnover every three to five years. So that, that, that's our goal from there. If we're doing that, we're doing pretty well. And then obviously it's then ensuring like our members, you know, are able to achieve some cool lifestyle goals and like make things like owning your own home, having a good lifestyle, providing for your family, the norm yep. rather than uncommon and rare. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that, that's it from our end. Um, but back to you, man. So you're at a point where, yeah, things are good. You've got it all set up well. Yeah. And now you're sort of thinking, or you've been thinking for quite some time anyway, like, yeah. Like, what next? What are the next steps? Yeah, I guess like I've kind of thought about that, but it's also like with you saying, I guess, 
what we were saying before about, you know, you, we want to create a pathway to kind of show people steps. And I always reiterate this back to coaches, like you, whatever you tell your clients, consistency showing up, it comes down to a calorie deficit to achieve weight loss and things like that. There's a pathway, right? The same thing happens with the business side of things. It's yeah. literally a pathway. You have to follow it. You have to show up consistently. You have to put in the work because again, dying's hard. So is building a business. And so everything we preach to our clients, we literally have to take on board for ourselves in that business mindset too. Because if you aren't consistent- Dude, Gary B says it all the time. He's yep. like, fitness people are like, they will tell their clients, it takes time. Do the reps. Do the reps, yep. all this kind of stuff. But then he's like, they're the first people to look up how to succeed in business fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, what do you see on Instagram ads? Want to see how to generate 10K of clients in a month yeah. and shit like that. And people get sucked in. Oh yeah, I want that. It's like, Literally, the people who want the fast fat loss are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And we're all preaching the same message. It doesn't happen fast. The same thing as business. Yeah. And, and that's what I get concerned with. You know, like like we'll say, hey, our mean and median sits at around, for full, like for full-time 20 plus, sits at around 158. And I'm like, I, 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 like I'm hesitant to say that because I don't want people to be like, oh, here's like, here's the Tysons and here's the Joeys and here's the Brandons and here's the Max and all that kind of stuff. And I'm hesitant to like shine the light on that so much because I don't want people to think, oh yeah, it's like, fuck, it's it, like, it, it, like, it's easy. Oh, that's so achievable. It's kind of stuff. It is achievable. Yep. Like you guys are the proof. We have, I think from those surveys, like we have 40% complete them. We had, uh, I think, yeah, 40% of them at the time. So we were sitting a few hundred. There was, there was 20 plus that were sitting over 300k yeah as and 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 the condition was you have to be a single service provider so tyson only has administrative support so like all those people who had that as well they only have administrative support they don't have other coaches under them yeah there's no coaches employed under me there's no like i'm not uh, yeah again yeah. i've got like one admin assistant and that's it we've got like we've got people who have companies with people under them they're doing millions like that's great good on them i'm definitely not going to talk about those numbers because yeah. i don't I just don't want people getting shiny object syndrome yep. and thinking, oh, fuck, like that's amazing. I can do that. And it's like, you can, but you shouldn't be aiming for that. Like yeah. this is the mean. And even then you have to make it through the initial startup phase. Yep. And a lot of people don't. Like I, we're not seeing a huge turnover there either, but that's where the majority of the turnover is. We're experiencing about 5% a year at the moment, but like we're in a, you know, a growth year, right? So yep. like we're not dropping by 5%, we're growing every year, but we see about, anywhere from two to five percent of, of the pre-existing member base like decline after that and it's because they either haven't transitioned and even started that transition yep to then start like working or they failed in the initial startup and it's like that's that's probably the hardest part yeah oh 100 it's like you know you've got you're going to put in all this work you're going to consistently have to do it you're not going to see those instant results that you're expecting to see or you're not going to think that you know you're probably thinking oh you know, I'll get a client every week and then in 50 weeks, I'll have like 50 clients. Like it's not going to happen like that. There are going to be dead times. There's going to be a lot of dead time. And it's like, there are going to be days where- yeah, it's probably like four six-week periods in a year. Oh, easily, man. Yeah. And you're going to get a, like, you know, it's always- It's like 24 weeks of the year yep. is going to be dead in total. Yep. Four six-week periods, yeah. And you got to think about when people drop off, it's never one or two people. For some reason, the PT industry is always like a bunch of clients at a time. And then things are going to feel like they're all fucking falling apart. And that's where you have to keep pushing forwards no matter yeah. what you know you like the things that you did that got you the results you like the whole thing is, is like you do them when things feel like shit that's yep. the test exactly don't get knocked off don't waver 
you know, and just, just, just keep being persistent and consistent with it. And I think a lot of people sort of like fail to do that. So look, the thing is, I don't want to oversell it. It's fucking great. It provides great opportunity and that's awesome. It's not easy. It's the same thing as like saying, you know, oh, being in a calorie deficit is easy, all this kind of stuff for us who have done it or like tracking is easy, right? So for us who have done it, yes, it is because we've done it. But for those who haven't, it's not. And it's like you said, like, I think your two year thing is probably a reasonable thing. And that's why we have our three year provisional period where we're like, take three years to work out if this is for you. Yeah, It might take three years for you to get out of your initial startup phase. Yeah. Yeah, again, like, yeah, two years for me, but also it's like before that, it was also me working as a PT, learning uh, how to communicate with people, you know, doing all those extra things. So it's like, all that stuff was just accumulating over time. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, okay, cool. In the last two years, it's gone gangbusters. But again, you guys forget to look at the uh, six years before that of all the other shit I was doing. Mm. Working when other people don't want to work. Waking up early when people don't want to do that. It's like, you know. And, and like those things you don't necessarily have to do in this job, but some of the hard things like doing the consults with the no-shows, doing the prospecting, making the calls, pre-qualifying the people, like when you're doing the calls and doing these consults, if the values don't align and like things aren't doing it, being polite and professional at the same time, whilst being prepared to walk away because you don't need the money. Yep. Like honoring that stuff is really important. Like, you know, like I can say now, and I know you do the same. It's like the values don't align. We're just like, Hey, like we don't need the money. But for someone like when you're in that, like you're only getting 300 bucks a week or yep. something from it. And you're like, you need that money. That's fucking really hard to do. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and I still remember like early days where there are certain people who I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to work with you. But I'm like, I need the money, you know? And so having to turn someone away, but in the long run, that has benefited me because- It compounds. Yeah. It's multiplication, not addition. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, again, like even with all that, one of the biggest things that people fail to do, you want to build an online business, guess what you have to do? Post online consistently. And the amount of coaches that have said to me, I don't have time. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't obviously have the priority to run an online business because mm. the same thing the clients say to you, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to meal prep. I don't have time. And you're like, oh, well, you know, what if we look at your week? Same thing with you guys creating content. How do you expect to get online clients if you're not putting yourself out there online every single day? Because think about how many coaches are out there. You're one in, I don't know how many coaches are online at the moment. Ridiculous amounts. Honestly, online coaches these days is just an online like nutrition coaches, yeah. which is a completely unregulated thing, is just anyone with an internet connection, a laptop, oh, yeah. and an Instagram account. Yeah. And if you've trained in the gym for at least like a month and tracked your food, you're now an online nutrition coach. Yeah. So you're competing with people who are also unqualified, which you're going to see a lot, who are going to have a lot of clients. and Or a lot of followers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to piss get, you off. Yeah. And yeah. You're going to be frustrated. But guess what? You're fighting against all these people. And whenever you do not post or you, know, you have to stay relevant. You're literally fighting to always try and keep at the top of people's feeds. Because again, if I'm a normal person and I'm following 60 different fitness accounts, if Tyson starts posting, I'm not even going to remember Tyson because I'm looking at the other 55 people or whatever yeah. it is. So you've always got to keep relevant. And that means, like you said to your clients, on the days you don't feel like doing your steps, you do your fucking steps. You post your content no matter what. And whether you think it's a great piece of content that's going to get shared virally and nothing comes from it, or whether you think it's a shitty piece of content that you put out and then somehow a lot of people resonate with it, get it out there no matter what. Yeah, it's funny. Hey, like I think just stop posting shit for the intention of trying to get followers and stuff anyway, yeah. man. Like how many followers did you have when you, before you started making your transition and you were living pretty, like sitting pretty with um, 
like online or just when you did in COVID. COVID started, how many followers do you have? Oh, like a few thousand. I yeah, that's like, it. Didn't even break the 10. And you know, you couldn't post a link. Remember, you couldn't post yeah, a link, you didn't yeah. have 10,000. And that was a struggle for me. But like, hey, like I've got a um, a client who's also a coach. She has, I think, 2,000 followers and she has 60 online clients. Like, so followers mean nothing, you know? Exactly. That's why you got, like, it's always, it's never about trying to post to get more followers. If you have a- Some, some of the assessment team have, I think, a couple hundred followers. Yeah. Fully booked waiting list. Yeah. See? Doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, if you guys think about how many people you have right now, let's say most of you would average, let's say 2,000 people, right? Yeah. 10% of that is 200. You can't take on 200 clients. 5% is 100. You probably can't take on 5% either, you know? Do you think 1% of your client following you take on, that's enough for you to live well? Yeah. Know? It's crazy, man. So, okay, you're at this point, you progress really well, you're doing well. Obviously, during all this time as well, you like probably within 12 months of doing cert, you're like, hey, I need more study. Go on, do your grad dip. Yep. Now you're openly accredited. Yep. So you, your business is growing. Yes. This, this is another thing, right? This is an amazing career to have whilst you're studying. Yeah. That's why we, and this is why, like, and we fully recognize it. Like we're the only ones where it's like, come in, get you like, you know, there's low barrier education. we got a five to seven month program with certificate and that's the minimum standard, right? So we say, this is our, this is the gold standard of foundational education yep. in sports nutrition. If you want to practice, right. You do that. You got to work out if it's for you, you got three years to do that and you can do it. We know that the contact time whilst you're building up to your first 20 clients is only going to be about eight and a half hours a week. Yeah, right. Hit your first 20 clients, then enroll. Yep. How many, how much time were you studying? I think I was doing about an hour a day of study. Right? Mm. Probably an hour to an hour and a half, right? Because like, I was like, I want to do well. Obviously. And then like when there was like bigger things on, you'd spend a bit more time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, like I was also studying on the weekend. So I'm spending like what? let's say 10 to 12 hours of study, yeah. you know? And that was on top of me already making a good amount of money. Because at the point where you're studying and doing that, it's basically, did you wrap up just before COVID? Um, wrap up in person? Your grad dip. Oh, my grad dip. Um, just before COVID? No, no, I finished my grad dip uh, in the middle of 2020. Okay, so, so COVID, of, COVID's yeah. finished. So you've transitioned online fully? Yeah. And then you're wrapping up your grad dip at the same time whilst growing. Yeah. Like, I don't get, I was already making a good amount of money doing in-person PT and online and studying. Then so, you got rid of the in-person and then, then your online yeah. grew. Yeah. But yeah. again, like I'm still making more than a hundred K a year while being able to have that much time to study, to elevate my knowledge. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, like I'll spill it out in case anyone hasn't picked it up, but whilst you were studying, you were growing what, by probably an average of about 10 clients a month as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. In that time. So yeah. that's um so I'm learning, I'm making money, I'm getting more clients in the door. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So you finish that. It's probably about 12 months go by after that. And then we connect and you sort of like you're at this point where you're like, okay, what's the next step? Do I do masters? Do I do all this kind of stuff? you've started investing in shares and you're starting like you're at this point. And I, would, I would say, you know, this is the end point and everyone experiences this as well. Once they're openly accredited, because again, like, like with the mean and median stuff, the, the stats with the openly accredited people that are working, the income's another 20 to 30% higher. Yep. Um, of those openly, like, you know, for where you're at, you start thinking like, I don't know, like within how long were you thinking like this? Like obviously you're earning pretty well. So that sort of shifts it, but then you finish your study. So that that's a big shift as well. 
one of those milestone things happens, like a couple of these milestone things happen and the natural thought process just changes to like, okay, three to five years, five to 10 years, you, like it just starts happening. Yeah, yeah. You just start thinking bigger picture. Yeah. Because now you're not in a, you're not in a state of scarcity or like I said, living week to week. You now have- There's no month to month. There's no month to month. It's like, oh, sweet. It's like, like year to year stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, right, all right. What, what's going to happen in the future, you know? Because you can start planning. Because you feel this time where you're always living bill to bill or whatever it is, you do not have the mental resource to think about the future because you're trying to live for the now. Yeah. And now you stop making short-term actions or decisions because you're like, oh, actually, I'm in abundance, basically. You know, I've got money coming in. I don't have to stress about things. Even if I have a bunch of clients drop off, I'm still going to be living pretty. Mm. So what's the next steps for me going forward? Yeah. And so you then started looking at stock market. Yeah. So for me, I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll start doing some investing. Uh, and it was that whole, is it property? Is a stock market? And because for me, I didn't, I wasn't really switched on either of them. I just kind of fell into the stock market because it seemed easier for me to work with first, you know? Yeah. I didn't require a large amount of capital to put money in. It was something that seemed quite easy that I didn't have to touch or worry about. And because I was still trying to, which I'm still trying to do now, not build the business, but make the business better, running systems and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, more proficient. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want to have something just slowly trickling all the way in the background that doesn't require a lot of mental energy or attention. Mm-hmm. And so you got into that probably what, about 12 months ago now? Uh, probably 18 months. Ago. 18 yeah. months ago. And it's going pretty well. Yeah, yeah. it's going good. And yeah. so now now you're at the point where, so when we, when we connected, you were, you were very much like, do I go masters? What do I do? All this yeah. kind of stuff. Hey, I'm you know, interested in pursuing property stuff as well. What's the go here? Yeah. And contrary to like what a lot of people think, my advice was like, fuck, I don't know if you need the masters. Yeah. You know, like extra study is good, but. And that know, was the thing, you know? Yeah. Like we were like, because I've, so, you know, I look up to Mackenzie Baker and Mackenzie Baker was doing his masters. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, because I've basically done what Mackenzie did because he was like someone who um, I was looking up to. And I was like, do I want to do my masters next? And I was speaking to Alex about it. And when he's like, mm, do you need to do it? It was a good question that he asked me because the people I work with, the information that I'm sharing with them does not require me to have a master's degree. You know, that's not going to change their success rate. It would be more about behavior more than anything because we're still teaching people about protein, you know, mm. and calories and food in general. They're not learning about the intricacies of the of the body. And so when you asked me that, I was like, maybe I don't actually need to do continuing education with that side of things because it's not going to give my clients any better results than what they're getting now. Yeah, and I think there's like it's not to say it's off the off you know off the cards forever. Oh, I think not. it's just a timing thing. I think yeah. like like you said, like you're at a point where you you know you got some stuff going on with shares in the background, and you wanted to you want to refine things within your business to make it more proficient. So that way, you can then look at some other things as well. Which to me, you know, when I was hearing all this, I'm like, you know what, like it's probably not a good time. Like yeah. I would like, and so my advice to you was. I'd just nail the next like three, five, seven years, then look at whatever it is then and reassess them because it might be a master's in applied exercise and sport nutrition. It yep. might be an MBA. Yep. It might be who knows what it ends up being, yep. but it'll come at that point. The daughter study is not closed. Exactly. It's just like, you know, you're at this point where it's very hard. If you're in a point of like refining stuff with your business and getting into that stuff, it makes study quite difficult and it's hard from the sense in the sense of like um you know i know that in the next sort of like three to six months you'll look at doing your first property stuff yep, right yep, yep when that happens it's like it's pretty fucking exciting yeah and it's also like like pretty intense 
and so, you know, um, being like similar to myself and I'm a bit of a fucking ADD person. I'm like, I just, I, if like where my attention is, is where it is. Yep. So when that stuff's going on, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not studying. Yeah. Your focus is somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, no matter how I try, how hard I try, I'm like, no, I'm nailing this. This is the focus at the moment. I'm like, I'm going to close this. I'm going to sell this particular property and off I go. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the last thing you want to do is like have any like study or guilt for not Stress studying about that stuff. Yeah. yeah, Over your head. And it's like, and if you do this stuff, well, refine your business, get it really proficient, invest well in those things. Then you've set yourself up to be able to be at a place where in five, seven, eight years, nine, nine years time, you can study and it doesn't matter. Yep. Like you could half your client load and you don't need that because you are completely set up, yep. you know? And that was another thing you were saying. Cause it's like, if I do something like this now where I do look more into properties and I get a few, let's say for the next three years, I focus more on that side of things. Now I'm building in some income that's going to support my, be passive income in a way, some type of passivity, where I can then have the opportunity to work with fewer people, still make a decent income, and then have more time to actually dedicate to study. Yeah. Again, especially like doing a master's or something, it's going to require a lot more time intense of study yeah. intense and like again as like, we know with Mac yeah yeah. yeah and for me <laughs> he shuts everything down when it's on <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like but also if I'm doing my masters and I'm trying to also manage property I'm also trying to manage getting more clients in the door because again just because I'm making a good amount of money doesn't mean I'm always still trying to get more clients in the door or have some type of generation so that's a lot of time investment overall so mm. it's like I'd rather again invest I guess you would say now yeah. work on those side of things so then I have more time in the future to where I can study more. Yeah, and operate from a place of choice. And I think that's that's the whole shift when we're talking about like life, like life outside of fitness, life outside of like like the serve the single single service provision provider model that's client generation centric. You get to these points, you open the accredited, you're in the end phase. Like I would challenge everyone to start thinking like this. Hey, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but like I think you should yep. because ultimately it leads you to a place where you are everything that you do. If you do that well and you spend the next say five to 10 years, well, you are working from a place of empowered choice. Mm -hmm. And so you're always making choices and decisions from a place of like an abundant choice. Yep. How does this align with my values? How does this align with my vision for my life? All this kind of stuff. It's funny. Cause like, um, we've had so many conversations about this with people like, Oh fuck, Alex must be killing it. And, all this yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny because you know, um, like the figures for the association and stuff, like in terms of the professional body, that's been public for, I don't know how many years you just look them up. We like, we have to disclose them, right? This is the first year we've broken even, um, in the professional body. Yeah. The private education stuff makes a bit of money, but where it's profitable in Australia, New Zealand a bit, um, it funds everything that we do in the new regions. Yeah. So it's like, and the way that tax works in Australia is, and like, this is the thing, like so many people get into this and have no like taxation literacy or economical or financial literacy. So the way it works for those who don't know is, is like, if I make a profit and I want to set up a company over, if I make a profit here and I want to set up a company over there and start doing it, I need money to do that. Yep. But I've made a profit here. Yep. I can send money over there, yep. but that's, I've got to pay tax on that profit first. Yep. And then this that, go, that goes over there, that's considered a loan. So anything that you do that's a loan, you're getting taxed on as if it's profit. Yep. So say I make 300,000 here, there's 150 Ks and I send 300,000 over there. I've got 150 K tax bill or not 150, it's 30 cents on the dollar. So if it's 300 K, it's uh, 90. So if I, if I have 300 K property here 
and I want to send money over here, I can only send two ten. Yep. Yeah. Because you set it up because I got to pay that ninety, and yep. a lot of people don't get that. Yep. And so, for us, it's like if we want to go into US, we want to go into Europe, we want to go into Asia. Each country we've got accounting setups, trademarking setups, we've got compliance setups, all this kind of stuff. We we have to have residents representing us over there endorsing us we need to get the insurance policies recognized over there each company for us is uh, like sorry each region for us is approximately anywhere from two to three hundred fifty thousand to set up yeah. so it's not doing this isn't the most affluent thing <laughs> yeah. you know to do or it's not the most like money making thing long term it may be it yeah. could be this thing that's like um precision nutrition john barati sold his like um share in that uh the majority share in that and that was 200 million us yeah right it's probably never going to be like that yeah, right yeah. i don't really care it's not the goal yeah um the goal for us is 10 to twenty thousand members the goal for us is established legitimized standardized best practice yep. and then prosperous professional members doing well that's the goal so like if we have that that's fine the reason i'm able to pursue this is because i was in a similar position to you in that i was doing but i wasn't like doing the numbers that you were but i was at a point where i was working for a group, I was a regional manager, like fitness director, regional fitness director for a group of any times. There was, I think, 12 clubs at this. So I was like handling that. That was like 10, 15 hours a week. I was retained for about 45 grand a year. That, that was my base wage. Yep. Then I'm doing three and a half grand a week in just sports nutrition consult work. Yep. And then I'm running all this. And so I don't need to take money from this yep. in order to pay myself yeah. because I had a 45K base plus some incentives for fuck all time. Yep. And then I also had three and a half grand a week in appointments and client work that I was doing from there that was then paying me more than I needed. And I was at a point where I, I was single, have no kids, paying a bit of rent, but not much yep. because like half of the place that I was renting, I had like was using for work. So it was like tax deductible. Yep. So yep. I was like yep. maybe two 250 bucks a week out of pocket personally yeah. i was saving close to 75 to 100 grand a year yeah after all that stuff and i had that for about three years yeah. three to four years and so and then i had like i was saving a little bit beforehand as well and i had a business before that i sold i didn't make much money but i was able to take some of that and you know put it in my savings account and stuff so i was in a pretty good position got into property four and a half years ago maintain that saving pace for another year yep. kept the clients on got a second property and so i set myself up because i got into property yep. and be, now that i do this property stuff on the side which takes all like five ten hours a week i'm in a position where i can be like hey i don't need to put much stress on this and i can run this from a place of pure vision alignment pure mission alignment all that kind of stuff um don't need to take an exorbitant wage from it or anything like that. And then I can then just ensure that it grows and does the right thing. Yeah. But it's funny because people look at me and you know this because you, you, yeah, you yeah, hear all it. the time. Man. <laughs> and it's funny because people are like, oh, Alex is killing it. And it's like, I don't think people understand is like, you know, you've run, you're running this, you've got employees that you've got to pay. All right. Like, again, you know, you think about a boss who's got to pay all their employees that cost money, but it's also like people are like, oh, Alex is killing it. My wage that the, the amount of money I make is more than Alex makes, right? Like, if yeah, not, like, not including property, not including property, right? Yeah. And it's like you're running this business, but it's like it's not, doesn't mean that you're making all this money that people assume you're making, you know? And like you said, you were, you were doing less than I was before when you were doing all that and you're putting money away. So then you could do something like this. 
and it came from your capital still, you know, you yeah. built this up, but it's like, it's not like all of a sudden you just started this business and you become a fucking Mr. Moneybanks. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, it's funny. Yeah. So like, and I say it to everyone, like every now and then I'll see like a member who's done pretty well. They're either in the middle phase or the, or, or they're at the end phase, like the, or like what we would verb is the, like, you know, term is these phases and stuff. And they fit these sort of like models and like, I'll sit there and, um, you know, like go through stuff with them and they'll be like, oh, you know, like, oh, you must be killing it, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, like my most affluent position, cash flow affluent position was when I was in your shoes, yeah. like, like maximize this time. Yeah. Like I only had four and a half years of it. Yeah. So, and, and like, I didn't hit half a million in savings at that point. So yeah. like I had maybe, I think probably 420 all up that I managed to save over that period. Mm -hmm. That was enough, you know, the market, the property market in Brisbane, Median house price was probably like four fifty at the time that I got in. I got into the second one, paid a little bit more a year later, renovated them, did some stuff to them, you know. And it's like for me now, it's like, you know, like I got four ones on a contract. I'll walk away from that. I'll make six hundred and fifty k. I'll walk away from it with seven hundred fifty, seven hundred eighty after tax. Yeah, that's like I can't earn that in these businesses. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like no, like no matter what I do, if I if I tried to gut everything and just make it all about profits. So I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Yeah. no, I'm not walking away with that like yeah. annually. So like for me, it's like, I can do that stuff. I really like it. I have an affinity to it. I didn't go down the share route. Um, and I've got friends and like, like good friends of mine that I grew up with, went to school with that are in property development. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I've just always had an affinity to it. So I've always liked it. So like for me, it, it's cool, but it's like five hours a week. So I can do something that pays the bills really like, and, and doesn't require much time. And then I can just focus on passion shit. Yep. So everything that I do in here comes from a place of, is it aligned with values? It's a place, it's a place from abundant choice, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like there's like lines that I won't cross and I'm not just going to fucking waste money for the sake of it just because I got property stuff at the moment, yep. but it's like, it it, it it enables me to pursue something that I'm really passionate about from a place of empowered choice. Mm -hmm. And I was able to make that decision to go, you know, to wrap up my clients, go full-time into this 18 months ago, 18, probably close to 18 to 24 months ago. It was yeah. probably, I think it was 18 months ago when I had my last client and I'll eventually go back and do some like private clinic work. Hey, I'll do some like metabolic card assessments and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, you know, everything that I'm doing is from a place of choice. And I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. It's like when you're in these spots, you refine it, you get things proficient you set yourself up well and start playing the long game. Yeah. You can. And it's like, you should be having these thoughts and conversations. It's like you can own your home outright. You can have a couple of investment properties that do well. You can invest in shares and have a diversified portfolio that does pretty well. Yeah. You just have to maximize this stuff. Well, that's the thing, right? And like, I guess I want to know from you. So like, let's think about when you were you know, back to all your other stuff, you were saving money, right? And you're like, yeah, you're able to save a hundred grand a year. But you always like you weren't spending like you're making a good amount of money, but you weren't spending more than you're oh, obviously. No. And I guess you're like me, like just because that extra money started coming in doesn't mean that your spending went up or you lived in a more expensive place or you started you might have eaten out more, but you're not going to all these fancy bougie restaurants and doing what you see on people on Instagram, flexing for the gram, you know? Like for you guys, I don't have a car, you know, I have yeah. a motorbike, my partner has a car. I still rent in an apartment, a small apartment. I don't throw my money around because again, we're thinking long-term. I'm putting money away for the future so I can live 
delayed gratification. You know, mm. it's like I'm doing things now to set myself up for the future. So I'm assuming you're like me, where you didn't spend just stupid money on anything. Nah, when I was like younger, younger, and like I was like my early, my probably my first four years in fitness, work my ass off, doing all these sessions and stuff, dealing with all the inconsistencies, taking on, saying yes to clients for money when I shouldn't have, and I should have just been like value mismatch and shit, working six days a week. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna get my like first badge car, get a Lexus, and then from there get a fucking Audi Q Q5, um, nice Audi Q5 like S line or whatever. Um, and I'm paying off these depreciating assets. Yeah. And then so they're losing your money, but like they're not making you money. No, nah, shit, yeah. no. And then I open up training out at Health Center. We've spoken about this in le- at length. I'll probably do it. Maybe next one we come back. Hey, we'll probably do this every three to six months, right? Next one. To tell some stories about lessons that we learned, yeah. like like from these things, like where you know we learned like epic lessons. Long story short, overpaid my staff for four, three and a half, four years. Yeah. Um, cost a lot of money, expensive lesson. Went into a voluntary audit to claim the losses back. Had to pay the auditors and stuff. It's fucking expensive and stressful experience. I'm like 26, 27 at the time, 33 now, and. Yeah, I was 20, 26 at the time. And I'm like freaking out and all this kind of stuff. I was paying myself 400 bucks a week. Managed to still save like $35 a week. I was like, I'm saving, I have to save. Yep. And I had that experience for nine months like that. And then got out of the red, into the black. Was good. But like, honestly, it was until I had that experience, then like everything shifted. Then I like I, I spent the next six to 12 months going to different accountants having them pitch me, listen to stuff. If I didn't know it, I'd ask more about it. If they wouldn't tell me too much, I'd go Google it. I'd talk to other accountants. Probably had about 30 to 40 different pitch meetings as to who was going to take on the books and like run stuff with my accounts from that point moving forward. Um, And that's when I like changed. And I was like, all right, I'm getting into property. I'm making sure that I'm spending my money. If I have to pay rent on certain things, I'm going to work out where I can own it first. Yep, yep. Um, then it was then, then at the same time that I had that, I was like, then I was meeting with the insurers and they're like, Hey, I've a lot of people come through the program. You should incorporate a nonprofit association, start regulating practice, do this. That's probably, you know, like where it needs to go. And I was like, Oh shit, you know, like I'll do that. So then I went down that road, which then meant I couldn't then not couldn't, but as the head of the association, I am vicariously liable in Australia, at least, I'm vicariously liable for how every Australian member practices. So I don't have any of these assets in my name. I don't have properties in my name. It's a family trust with family members protected. It has levels of insulation. I can't, because it's not a primary place of residence, I can't flip property in the sense where I get tax-free stuff. Yep. Like there's always capital gains with these transactions and stuff that we do, um, you know, forward. And there has to be that level of insulation because it's like, the thing for me is, is like, hey, I had just shy of half a million bucks worth of capital to invest in these things that I earn outside of this job. Yep. I'm not letting that money that I earn outside of this get affected by this job that yep. I'm doing now and how people are doing now yep. that like at this point in time doesn't, doesn't pay me that much. So for me, I was like, no, I have to learn this. I have to do that. So fucked off the badge cars. I was like getting a four cylinder car economical as shit i got a hyundai i30 i'm like all right i was in that for three years and i was like i'm not i'm not getting a nice car again even if there's a tax benefit or a tax write-off i'm not getting it until i'm in at least two properties 
And so for me, it was like, okay, now I'm into properties, you know, things are going pretty well. Um, you know, there's a couple of things appreciating here. We, you know, like we've, uh, I need to write off a fair bit of my ABN income at this point. Like I was accruing all this stuff. There was all the predictive tax stuff happening. Yep. I was like, cool, I'm going to get the X car. Um, they started things like the instant asset write-offs and stuff. So I was like, cool, I can, and they increased the amount that you could claim on auto, like, or like automotive vehicles and shit. Right so that you could do that. So like taxation literacy is a big like part of it. It's like you get to these middle and end phases, you need to start learning about tax. Like you have a pretty good accountant, so you didn't have to learn to, like I didn't have to tell you much. Yeah. But these conversations and having people like who are members at those points, mate, they know fucking nothing, yeah. like nothing. And I'm like, one of the first things I'm saying is like, you have to go to a different accountant. Yeah. Like I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not a tax <laughs> accountant. I understand this stuff and yeah. it is fucking powerful, but you need to know this stuff. So it's like, go out, get the help, then, you know, yeah, we'll play like a bit of X's and O's and we'll move some shit around and see how it works. But you got to get the person that can help you do this. I'm not that, I can't file your returns. Yeah. I can't lodge it. I got no insurance and shit for that stuff. And so for me, yeah, it was three years in an I-30. Fucking 25 bucks a week on petrol. That was it. Yep. Two properties, have them and then have the renos done on the two properties that I wanted to get done. That that was it. And so then then after then, I, um yeah, I got a Merc, um x-class ute yep and then covid hit they were a discontinued line i needed another i needed another write-off um shortly coming after that for some um you know again predictive profits just as i was winding up all my client work um and the x-class went up in value because it's discontinued and covid <laughs> cars went up and i was like fuck i'll sell this um and then roll it into a um and i got an, like an electric merc and that was it you yep. know but again it was it was strategic. It wasn't like anything like that. And then if I do like for me, it's like having those things, if I have a nice car or anything like that or nice things, it's not because I want to have it. It's there's like, it's a strategic thing that's like, it's, it, it, it's Tetris. It suits a plan for like where I'm going. Yeah. But even if you wanted to have it now, like you said, you got four properties. You know, yeah. You're doing all these other things. Don't you, own them out. Right. But yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 But like, you know, you've, you've worked to this place where it's like, now you can, and again, you're not throwing all your money away. You're like, yeah, I got a nice car. Yes. I've got this. And so it's like, you know, again, you're putting in all this effort first before you're getting all that fancy shit. It's not even all fancy, you know? It's just those yeah. things. No, but it's like it's fancy shit. shit. Yeah. It's like it's stuff that I don't fucking need, man. Like yeah. my car has a punctured flat tire. I don't care. I mean, like a little fucking hatchback. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Like I'm yeah. like, let me just go fucking Apple CarPlay. I, I, I don't care. I don't care <laughs> yeah. about this stuff. Like yeah. I don't care about those things. Yeah. And I think something that I have is like a bit of a fucking internal test metric for like anyone that I do detailed like where we've got skin in the game, if we've got shares together on anything or if there's profit share or we're doing work in some capacities, like, you know, can you pass the Hyundai test? Would you drive an I-30? Yeah. The answer is no, we're not going to work long-term because yeah. our about, that's a fucking, that's a huge like conflict in values because yeah. it's like, I will still get dirty. I don't give a shit. Renos are still happening. I'm still fucking doing the work yeah. where I can do the work. I'm getting my hands dirty. It doesn't matter. Like I'm learning shit with that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah it's one of those things like, you know, people get like, you know, trades over to quote for certain things and they'll just take the first two prices they get. I know my price per square meter yep. on every service. I know when materials go up within 10%, what that cost should be. I know all that stuff from a feasibility perspective so that I know what I can contribute to. I've got friends and family that will look after me in certain things that are qualified trades in certain things. And then I've got like reliable, trustworthy trades that give me, that give me amazing like service, yep. but it's at the reasonable price per square meter, price per whatever 
metric is that I can do that stuff with and like take care of it. And I think, you know, like that, that so that, that, that's a key value and metric for me if I'm doing anything. Like, you know, we got Fit, Pro, uh, Fit Pros and Fundamentals that, we, you know, we're working on. We know that we can do it because it's like, fuck, don't stop talking about it. Just be about it. Yep. Who gives a shit about this stuff? We don't care about the materialistic things with it. Like yeah. our, our desire of doing that is like just getting that information out there to help as many people because we're basically like our cups are full with a lot of stuff. So it's like, how can we help people? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, we're making this course now that we've probably thought about what, two months ago with that. And we're putting it in action, but this is not like, oh yeah, mate, like this is going to fucking be a money maker or something. It's like, how can we get more information out to people that we actually can't physically help, you know? Yeah. Because especially for me, like, you know, I've only got a certain amount of followings. Um, SNA has obviously a certain amount of followings. Mackenzie has a certain following. But it's like, if we can all get together, we can get to more people and help them without actually the one-on-one coaching either. So it does allow us to help more people. But one thing you said there is like, you know, you're not afraid to get dirty, right? Like, you know, yeah. like the Honda test. And people say to me, it's like, oh man, like, you know, you still walk everywhere or you still catch <laughs> public transport. Like I told you guys, I make more than 300K and I still apart from riding my motorbike i will catch public transport because why like why am i going to waste money especially with how expensive petrol stuff is now but it's like oh man yeah just because i am i am making more money does not mean i live that that high life when you can be smarter with your money to make it work for you yeah i like i i don't have like designer shit yes like like that i bought myself every now and then i'll get it from gifts from friends colleagues stuff they do well you know it's a nice gesture and stuff but i don't sit there and go fuck i want to Gucci wallet or you know like all <laughs> yeah. this guy, like it comes to me in gift capacity like we were talking about it last night it was like oh you know my birthday's coming up a couple months my partner's like oh what you know would you like this and this and I was like oh man do you get into watches she was talking about because I, I was like all I do is what wear a fucking activity tracker like I just don't care I rocked up to my accounts I had to swap accounts because we grew too big for the previous ones and you know like because we've got international stuff that we look at and have to understand all that and have um you know they need to have representatives and offices in the regions where we operate and stuff. I rock up in my first meeting. I'm in fucking anime shirt, yeah. thongs and board shorts. Yeah. And they're like, you know, what, what's this guy? I'm in this like, you know, like office in, in the city, <laughs> like overlooking the river and shit, like a pretty big firm. Yeah, yeah. And they're all in like suits and shit and they're all this kind of stuff. And then they were like, oh, and I'm like, oh, look, here's the, I got my folder. I'm like, look, here's the entity structure. Here's the stuff as well. And they're like, holy shit. Like, this is a pretty cool <laughs> like project that you're working on and stuff. But like, I just don't care about that stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, you know, like I'll be make sure I'm in like a you know in like a non kids shirt if I'm like doing lectures and shit. But other yeah. than that, yeah, it's like pretty stock standard to me. Yeah, and I think that's a an important thing again because if you were someone who's more not focused on oh yeah I guess say focus on materialistic things or using the money that's coming in to the extent that where like you know you're equaling the amount coming out, you wouldn't have this position where you do you have been able to invest in properties or run all this stuff because. People get so excited with that income, they start to spend it. And usually it's on things that are worthless or you do it to impress other people who you don't even fucking know who they are, where it's like, it's it's not giving you fulfillment. It's not giving you enjoyment. It's mm. not doing anything. And you're, you're not making the money work for you where again, you can go like, just because you're in abundance now does not mean you'll be in abundance forever. Yeah, exactly. And like we said, like, you know, there is going to be times where clients will drop off and things happen. And if you aren't putting money away for that rough time, or again, to think about the future, what if all of a sudden, or one thing happens to your business and it fucking shuts down, like Instagram shuts down your account, you know? All of a sudden you don't have that revenue stream coming in or you're not getting all these new clients coming in, then what? What are you going to do? Especially if you spent all that money. So that's why it's being smart with your money now, even when times are good to keep making a good future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, And people might think, hey, we're not getting like these materialistic things. 
you know, branded shit, but like, oh, maybe properties that we don't see it like that. We're not, we're not seeing and saying, oh, get a property. You'll feel amazing. It's fucking great. It feels good. It adds an element of like, definitely, I think with how we've been like born and raised, it's like, you know, to own your own home is the Australian dream and shit. So like, it feels good. And it like, there's an element of security and stuff with it. But I think we, we haven't even had this conversation before, but I think I speak for both of us when I say it's like, it's not like you don't, Outside of that, you don't get anything from it other than the fact that you know that your shit's working for you. Yeah. Like all it is is just like, oh, yeah, I'm on the path. This is working for me. I'm on the delay gratification path. Yeah. And now I've, it's like, it's like a monopoly and you get a fucking house, <laughs> yeah. and you get another house, and you get a hotel. Yeah. It's like that. It's like, I know that I'm making this work for me. I'm, I'm on the path of working the system with that. If you see it as anything more than that, you're probably going to set yourself up a fucking disappointment and failure. And, and a pretty hard time because you'll get it and then you'll be like, oh, I got all this debt. Like, yeah. this is shit. Like, oh, I thought I would feel different and all that kind of stuff. I've had conversations with people like that in the industry who have achieved these milestones. And there was like extreme disappointment because they thought it would feel different. I, I personally did as well, just based on some things with how I was raised and shit and like parents' relationship with money and stuff and like things that were imparted to me. And it's like, I don't share how they sort of value that stuff at all. Um, and you know, for me, it was just like, you know, work through it. And I was like, all it is, is just like a vehicle. Yep. It's a vehicle to provide me with empowered choice. That's it. And it's funny you said that because it's the same thing again. It comes back to what we tell our clients. Once you hit a goal weight, you're not going to be lifelong happy. You know? Yeah. You're like, oh, once I lose the weight, then I'll be happy. Like, Fucking no, you're not. You know? Exactly. And we tell people that, but it's the same thing. It's like, once you get a property, like what? All your problems are fixed and that's it. No, like life still goes on. And that's why we see... Perfect example with like, you know, how rich is Johnny Depp and stuff at the moment? They're yeah. going through that crazy fucking, uh, through court and stuff. Like they still have first world problems they're going through. Yeah. And we're still going to continue to face struggles. But again, it just makes life a little bit easier to deal with that stuff. But it's not like you're just king of the world and you have this euphoric dopamine hit for the rest of your life. You're like, I own a property. Fucking that's it. <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. It just, it just enables you to have like a couple of key things like that, depending on where you want to go. And say that this is a system for you, whatever it is, a couple of key things like this, just strategic investments, they will put put you in a position to operate from a place of empowered choice. Yeah, yeah like you're so. still going to have first world problems. You're still going to have issues. Things are still going to come up. It just means that when these things do come up, you'll be able to operate from a place of a little bit more empowered choice. Yeah. That that that's that's basically it. And yeah. I love that you say empowered choice because that's the thing. It's like you know when you have to pay a bill and then you're like am I getting groceries this week or am I paying this bill? You know, from a point where a bill comes and you're like, all right, I'll just pay the bill. There's what it is. I'd have to worry about that. Mm. That's just like, it's a, it's a security thing in a way where you're like, yeah, sweet. I don't have to stress about this next bill coming in. And then also if something comes up, I have the, I have the decision to make now that I am in a, in a, a higher power where it's not a make or break situation. And this one decision isn't like, it's not everything's riding on this one decision. You know? mm. I mean, it's again, you just are in a better place overall and that allows you to have more freedom for choice too. Yeah, big time. So I think, look, the big takeaways from this, because we'll wrap it up here, otherwise we'll get too long, yeah, is, sure. um, and we'll come back, we'll definitely come back and circle back to this because I think this stuff's really important. And again, people just in the industry aren't having this conversation enough. I think things to take away are, you got, like, you got to get through your startup phase and that's fucking hard. Hard, hard as fuck. It's probably, it, it, it's harder like they're all hard and they all pose their own challenges. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. You break through the threshold, you break through the event horizon, and then you're on to the next point. Middle and end phases, you need to start thinking like this. 
then you have to put similar amount of effort into learning things like developing your taxation literacy, talking about these strategies, looking at this stuff. Look, once we get through, um, you know, once we get through a bunch of stuff, fundamentals and fit pros, the update, once we get played, there's a lot of stuff here. I would love to eventually be in a position where we can put on some workshops like this yep. for people. It's not something that's on the cards, at least for the next 12, 18 months. I don't think like we've got a lot on our plate sort of outside of that. But um, eventually I'd love to, you know, do this stuff to be able to give people that information as well. It can't really be done. Apart from talking about it in these settings, we can probably do it, you know, every three to six months, which is great. Love to do a little bit more hands-on, but yeah, we're just not at the point. Um, but when that happens, that's it. But I think it's now your startup phase, get in this, start appreciating it and appreciate the fact that you've got anywhere from a three, five, eight, 10 year window, make hay while the sun shines, yep. set yourself up well, make good decisions. So that way after then you're working and working, studying, doing whatever you're doing from a place of empowered choice. Mm -hmm. Everything completely, completely could be completely fucking different in 10 years time, man. Who knows if we even yeah, fucking we do know. what we do. We right? know yeah. 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 Who, who knows, you know? So could be that tech could completely disrupt what we do. So that way we no longer do it. But if you've set yourself up well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And again, like, let's just say something happened. Fitness all went to the shit. 